Well, please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3, and this morning we shall be reading verses 1 to 6. I should uh, let you know, though, that I'll only be preaching on the first verse. I'm becoming a bit more like a a Puritan, not as good as the Puritans, of course, but uh, it's good for us, I think, to slow down a little bit. We've been going pretty slowly anyway. But uh, as I was studying this passage this past week, I mean, it really is one unit. You could preach one sermon on it, but it seemed to me that it would be helpful just to focus on the first verse. Um, But I I plan next week to then do the rest of the unit when we're going a verse at a time. So Hebrews chapter 3, 1 to 6, let's hear God's word. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. What do you think about when you're thinking about nothing? Sounds like a, a silly question, I know, but I, I once heard Sinclair Ferguson say that he asks that question of all men who are training for the ministry, so it, it can't be a, a silly question if Sinclair Ferguson asks it. What do you think about when you're thinking about nothing? And of course, the point of the question is really this. Where do your thoughts tend to go? When, when you've got a bit of time on your hands, when you're out for a walk, when you're waiting at the bus stop, when you're driving your car or cycling your bike, where do your thoughts tend to go? What do you find yourself thinking about? Do you ever find yourself thinking about Jesus? Here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, the writer tells his readers to consider Jesus. Having expounded the glory of the person of Christ in the first two chapters of his letter, this 
inspired author now launches into his uh, exposition of the faithfulness and the mercy of Jesus, our high priest. He has just spoken in verse 17 of chapter 2 of Jesus, our merciful and faithful high priest. And he will go on in the next couple of chapters or so to, to expound that central doctrine of the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. And he will focus in the first place particularly upon the faithfulness of Jesus, our high priest. That's really from the start of chapter 3 through to chapter 4, verse 14. And then from verse 15 of chapter 4 through to verse 10 of chapter 5, it will focus more particularly upon the mercy of Jesus, our high priest. That is where he's going. And it's in that context that our preacher says to this particular congregation of believers now, in the light of what I've just told you about Jesus in the first two chapters, and in the light of what I'm about to tell you about Jesus in the next couple of chapters, what I want you to do is this. I want you to consider Jesus. I want you to consider him carefully. That's, that's the idea here. Consider Jesus carefully. Think about him. Meditate upon him. Don't, don't treat Jesus the way you might sort of treat the music that you have playing in your car as you're driving along. Sometimes you're driving along, you've got the radio on, the music's playing, but it's there just sort of in the background. It's sort of background noise, which you tune into from time to time. Don't, he's saying, view or or treat Jesus like that. No, treat Jesus the way you would uh, view or listen to the music that's being played at a live concert when the whole audience is quiet and everyone's attention is, is focused upon what's being played on the stage. Let your attention be wrapped with Jesus Christ. That's what is being said here. It's actually very similar to what Paul says at the start of Colossians chapter 3. You you might have been thinking that as uh, as we've begun going through um, this opening uh, verse of Hebrews chapter 3. Paul Paul says to the Colossians, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set your minds, he's basically saying, on Christ, the one who is above. It's a similar idea here. Consider Jesus. Consider him very carefully. Spend time thinking about him. Of course, neither Paul nor Hebrews are saying that we should think about nothing else other than Jesus. That we are to give no thought whatsoever to our family or to our work or, or to our interests or, or anything like that. Because we are to spend literally all of our time thinking about nothing other than Jesus. Of course, that's not what uh, the Bible teaches. That's not what Paul or, or Hebrews are saying. But what they are saying is this. Make sure that you are taking the time and that you are expending the effort to consider Jesus. Make sure even when your thoughts are legitimately taken up with something else, that Jesus is still there on your mind. Make sure that you are 
living in the consciousness of his abiding presence and reality. Live in such a way that when you are thinking about nothing, you're actually thinking about Jesus. Consider Jesus. Do you consider Jesus? It's far easier said than done, I know. I struggle to consider Jesus. And really, I've got no excuse because I spend every day reading and studying the Bible in a way that I know you don't. I imagine we all struggle to consider Jesus. But here at the beginning of chapter 3, we're given a couple of helps as we seek to consider Jesus, which I want to look at with you this morning. Here in... The first verse, we're told why we should consider Jesus. And we're also told what, in particular, we should uh, think about when we are considering Jesus. We're told here the why and the what of uh, considering Jesus. So first of all, why you should consider Jesus. Why you should um, set your mind upon him. And the basic reason is this. It's because you are a Christian. That, that's the, the basic reason why you should consider Jesus. Because, because of who you are. Because you are a Christ person. A Christ man, a Christ Woman, notice how the preacher describes his hearers here. He, he tells them that they are holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling. This, our preacher is saying to the congregation, this is your identity. This is who you are. You are holy brothers and you share in a heavenly calling. Now, normally the Bible describes Christians as believers, as disciples, as followers of the Lord Jesus. And, and this is a somewhat unusual uh, designation. It, it might be the only time that we're described as those who share in a heavenly calling. But in describing um, the, the Hebrew Christians in this way, what our preacher is doing is actually drawing on what he's already said in his sermon in the first couple of chapters And in so doing, really seeking to drive home the truth that their fundamental identity is centered upon the person of Jesus Christ. That's that's what he's seeking to do here. And so we we note that back in chapter 2, verse 11, he had talked about Jesus as the one who sanctifies and uh, and, and talked about the Hebrews as those who are sanctified. They've been set apart. They are holy. And he had uh, also said in verse 11 of chapter 2 that Jesus was not ashamed to call them brothers. And so off the back of that, he now calls them holy brothers. They are Jesus's holy brothers set apart, consecrated to God by Jesus, their high priest, and therefore seen by Jesus as his holy brothers. And then in verse 10 of chapter 2, 
Our author had spoken of God as the one who brings, who is bringing many sons to glory. In other words, God is leading you, he is leading his his people onwards and upwards to their heavenly home. He is bringing them to that place where Jesus has has now been crowned with glory and honour. That is where you are going. You're on a journey, you're on a pilgrimage. And he'll develop that idea more in uh, chapters 3 and 4. And this idea of the Hebrews being on a pilgrimage, being brought home by God to glory, lies behind their designation as those who share in a heavenly calling. This is who the Hebrews are. This is the core of their identity. Holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling. And what's vital for for us to emphasize is this, that they are these things, this is their identity, because of their relationship to Jesus. You see, Jesus is the holy brother. And Jesus is the heaven-called person. That, that, that was his identity as, as the God-man. The holy one. The holy brother of his people. The one sent from heaven and the one going back to heaven, having accomplished all of his work. And therefore, you see, because you are his, because you are in him, you too are holy brothers. You too share in a heavenly calling. Your identity, the very core of who you are, is Christ. And if this is who you are, if the core of your identity is Christ, which it is, then surely you should consider Christ. In fact, it would be more accurate to say that, it, that because this is who you are, now you can consider Christ in a way that you couldn't have done before. When you weren't in him, when you weren't joined to your holy brother, when you weren't united to the heaven-sent and heaven-called one, you couldn't really consider Jesus. But now, because of who you are, by God's grace, you can consider Jesus Not just that you ought to, you ought to, but you can. You see, the gospel underlies this imperative to consider Jesus. You can do this because of who you are. That's the logic here. Since this is who you are, consider Jesus. Paul has exactly the same logic in Colossians 3. Since you've been raised up with Christ. Since Christ is your life. Set your mind on Christ. Friends, do you know who you are? So much is said about about identity today, and there's so much confusion. So much confusion. But there's absolutely no need for any of you this morning to be confused about who you are. Whether you're a man or a woman, you are a holy brother. And you share in a heavenly calling. And you are these things because your identity is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, consider Jesus. Isn't it the case that you spend much of your time thinking about the thing that defines you? The thing that is most important to you. The thing that you live for. 
if what defines you, if what gives you your sense of self is, for example, academic success, then you will spend much of your time thinking about your academic work and how to be successful. If it's career or money or sport or health or whatever it might be, whatever it is that defines you, that gives you your sense of self, that is what you will spend your time thinking about. And here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, you are told who you are. You are told what defines you. You don't have to work out what defines you. That's what causes so much trouble nowadays. People have the pressure of trying to work out who they are and what defines them. Here you're told God tells you who you are. He tells you your identity. It's not something that you have worked out for yourself. It's something that God has given to you. He has said you are holy brothers. You are those who share in a heavenly calling. Christ is your holy brother. Christ is your heavenly high priest. Christ is your life. This is true. Believe it. This is who you are. Therefore, think about him. Consider Jesus. And then secondly, we're also told here what we should consider about Jesus when we are considering Jesus. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him. Therefore, for this reason, the author says, consider Jesus. What reason? Well, everything that has gone before, everything that has been said from verse 1 of chapter 1 through to verse 18 of chapter 2. When you consider Jesus, this is what you are to consider, that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. You are to consider that he is the creator, the sustainer, and the heir of all things, that the whole of creation is about him, not you. You are to consider that he is the one who has made purification for your sins. He is the propitiation for your sins. God is no longer against you. God is not angry with you because of Jesus. Now he is propitious towards you. You are consider that you are to consider that Jesus is the one who sits at the right hand of God the Father, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. You are to consider him as your brother, the one who is not ashamed to call you his brothers. You are to consider that he is the one who shares in flesh and blood, who is your merciful and your faithful high priest. In all of these ways, you are to consider Jesus. This is what you are to consider about him. And this is all summed up here in verse 1 when the author 
describes Jesus as the apostle and high priest of our confession. That is the summary of everything that he has already said about Jesus in the first two chapters. Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. We are a confessing people. We tell people what we believe. And what do we confess? We confess this, Jesus Christ, the apostle and the high priest. Now, what's in view here in this designation of Jesus as our apostle and high priest is Jesus in terms of his word and his work. That's what's in view here. Jesus in terms of his word and his work. Describing Jesus as our apostle and high priest is to say that Jesus is the revelation of God and Jesus is the redemption of God, the one through whom God brings redemption. Jesus is our apostle. I think this is the only time Jesus is explicitly referred to as an apostle in the Bible. But, of course, you only have to read John's Gospel to appreciate how Jesus very much saw himself as a sent one, as the one who had been sent by his father. And that, of course, as I was saying to the children, is what apostle means. It means one who has been sent. Jesus was very, very conscious of his having been sent by his father into the world. Sent by his father to reveal God. Sent as the one by whom in these last days God has fully and finally spoken. God has revealed exactly who he is in the person of Jesus Christ. In him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And Jesus was very, very conscious of this. He had this consciousness of being the divine revelation of God because he himself is God. And he came in that capacity with God's final word, with God's final message, which is, of course, centered upon himself. We normally think of the apostles as those that Jesus sent out into the world, and that's right. But Jesus is actually the primary apostle. He is the chief and the first apostle sent by the Father to proclaim the message of himself. You notice that as you read the Gospels, Jesus is always talking about himself, not because he's an egotist, but because he's God. And this is what we need to know. This is who we need to know. We need to know God. And you see Jesus and you see God. You hear Jesus and you hear God. He is the apostle of our confession. And he's also our high priest. And this is really the complement, the other side to our confession that Jesus is our apostle. Not only is he the very word of God, the very revelation of God, 
He is also the one who has done the work of God, who has actually in himself, by his life, death and resurrection, accomplished the whole plan of redemption that the triune God had devised in eternity. And Jesus accomplished that glorious redemption as, in particular, our high priest. As the high priest who offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins. As the high priest who thereby turned away and propitiated the wrath of God. As the high priest who ever lives to make intercession for us so that we are kept in our state of salvation. He is the high priest who saves to the uttermost all who come to God through him. This is who we confess as Christians. We confess Jesus, Jesus Christ, the revealer and the redeemer, the truth and the grace of God, our apostle and our high priest. You know, considering Jesus is not about entering into some kind of trance-like state. We're not Christian Buddhists. Some people have this, I suppose you might say, Eastern Buddhist conception of meditation, of deep thought and consideration. Considering Jesus, according to the Bible, is about focusing your mind Upon his word and upon his work, that is the content of our considering of Jesus. We consider him as we find him and see him in his word. And in his word, we discover the work that he has done. Considering Jesus is not about emptying your mind Freeing your mind so that you're not thinking about anything. Considering Jesus is about filling your mind. Filling your mind with the truth of his revelation and redemption. That is why it's so important that we are people of the word. It's why it's so important that this church is a church that is rooted in the word of God, that preaches the word of God, that does everything or seeks to do everything in accordance with the word of God. We are to be Bible-saturated people so that we will be Jesus-saturated people. The two go together. So, brothers and sisters, what do you think about when you're thinking about nothing? Do your thoughts tend to go to Christ? Do you ever consider Jesus? You know, I would go so far as to say this. I believe that there is no more important activity for a Christian to be occupied with than the activity of considering Jesus. There's nothing more important for you to do. It's actually the most beneficial and the most fruitful and the most joyful thing that you can do as a Christian is to set your mind upon Christ. Now that is not to say, of course, that you are to retreat from the world and become a monk. Monasticism is not biblical Christianity. It's not. 
It's a perversion of biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is inherently practical. Biblical Christianity is a religion of doing good, of doing good works, of doing good in the world as you carry out your particular vocation. But you see, the power and the joy and the vitality of doing good can only come from a living faith. It can only come from a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you are not considering Jesus, if you never consider Jesus, if you're not living in close communion with the Lord Jesus and through him with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, then your Christian activity, however much you do, will lose the lovely, sweet-smelling savour of Jesus Christ. All that you do will become burdensome and heavy and dry and empty and moralistic. It will lack the savour of the gospel. It will actually be displeasing in God's sight. So friends, don't waste your time thinking too much about the football. What a waste of time football is in the end. What a waste of time. I didn't watch England on Friday night. I'm so glad I didn't. They were rubbish by all accounts. What a waste of two hours. Don't waste your time thinking too much about politics. Yeah, you should be interested in politics, but in the end, what can politicians do? They can't change the heart. They sort of tinker at the edges they can't change the heart. Don't waste your time thinking too much about TV programs. Again, there's so much rubbish on TV. And certainly don't waste your time thinking too much about yourself. If you think too much about yourself, you'll be one of the most miserable people in the world. Make the best use of the time that God has given to you. We are to redeem the time, aren't we? Make the best use of your time, brothers and sisters, by considering Jesus. After all, is there anything better to think about? Is there anything more wonderful, more joy-inducing than to think about Jesus? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be a fulfilled and a strong and a secure Christian? I assume you do, then think upon Jesus. There's no one more beautiful, no one more worthy, no one more lovely than Jesus. And let me close by saying this. As you consider Jesus, consider that Jesus considers you. As you consider Jesus, consider that Jesus is always considering you. Your merciful and faithful high priest, your apostle and the high priest of our confession, he thinks upon you. Isn't that amazing? He sets his mind upon you. He actually gives his attention to you. He has your name written on his hand, he has your name graven on his heart. And thoughts of communing with you, 
with the joy of his heart from all eternity. Consider Jesus, brothers and sisters, because Jesus ever considers you, and he considers you in his love. Amen.